Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another FizzCast and another breakdown of our SU Top 100. This time it is Jaron May with Brad Klein, and we are here to break down numbers 30 to 21. We are almost all the way through this list. It seems like it's been taking a while, but it also seems like it's flying by. And if you have been following along on our website, orangefizz.net, you can read all of our articles, follow us on Twitter at orangefizz, and of course, listen to all of our audio content on our SoundCloud page by searching Orange Fizz. But Brad, before we get all the way down the line, we have to start at number 30, and that's where we start today. And it's Jim Nance coming in at number 30, one of the greatest ball carriers in the history of Syracuse football. When you think of the big names, you think of Ernie Davis, you think of Jim Brown, you think of all of the amazing running backs, fullbacks that Syracuse has had, and you got to put Jim Nance up there in that conversation. He comes in at 30. And what's so impressive about him is that he not only had a great Syracuse career, but he also had a fantastic pro career after the Hills. So if you have, if you take that into consideration, if you're grading our, our list at home, then if you really put a lot of weight on the professional career after the Hill, then Jim Nance has to be towards the top of your list. And that's why at 30, I think it's a pretty good spot for him. I, I don't think he, he should be any higher, but I also don't think that he should be any lower. That's fair. I understand that. Personally, I don't put too much weight on the professional career and how that translates into your ranking on this list. I think Jim Nance is, at the very least, underranked. If not, he's properly ranked. I tend to agree with you there. But it's because he was also a wrestler, and he was also a a champion at wrestler, a first mm-hmm. black heavyweight national champion, a champion in 1963, and he won a second one in 65. So to condense Jim Nance and the legacy of Jim Nance to just the football field, just a fullback, it's almost insulting to what Nance actually meant for Syracuse on the Hill. Yeah, I mean... And you do have to take that into account because we here at the Orange Fizz are ranking the SU Top 100 athletes, not just football players. So if you play two sports, and there's going to be a couple people that we talk about on this FizzCast that did play multiple sports, uh, then Jim Nance is at the top of those multi-sport athletes because he was a fullback that rushed for over 1,000 yards in one season in 1964. And that's when Floyd Little was on the team. Floyd Little was a freshman. Jim Nance still rushes for over 1,000 yards. Just to be able to make that feat is outstanding. To be able to do it as a fullback is unheard of, at least in today's age. And on top of all of that, to be able to do it while Floyd Little, one of the best running backs in program history, one of the best collegiate running backs in college football history, was on the team. It's just, it's unheard of. So yeah, Jim Nance deserves to be at the top of the list. Again, I think 30 is good for him. And Jaron, I think there's actually another layer to that when you think about Floyd Little being in Nance's shadow 
and it's fair to ask, what would Floyd Little have been? Would he have been the 44 legend that we know and love of him today if it hadn't been for Nance kind of showing him the ropes as an upperclassman? That's a question to be asked. But we move on to the next one. That's 29, and it's Katie Rowan, women's lacrosse attack from 2006 to 2009. And, Jaron, I know you're Mr. Lacrosse, and you have plenty (laughs) to say about Katie Rowan. In my opinion, if anything, she's underrated. She's the leading point scorer in SU women's lacrosse history. She's also the lead, the all-time leading assister with 164 dimes on the hill. And to me, the thing that sticks out about why Rowan is ranked so high on this list and why she actually might be, might should might be higher is because of 2008. 2008 is one of mm-hmm. the greatest seasons in women's lacrosse history, one of the greatest seasons in Syracuse history in any sport, and she's just a legend in every single way. Yeah, Brad, like you said, I'm a big lacrosse guy, uh, both men's and women's, and I think this entire list is kind of underrated, the women's lacrosse program, because they are just so talented. I think there are three top players in the program that deserve to be kind of at the top of the women's lacrosse players, and Katie Rowan is one of them. The other two are Kayla Trainer, who's already been listed on our SU Top 100 list, and Liz Hogan, the outstanding goalkeeper that Syracuse had back um, in the turn of the 2000s and 2010s. Um, So those players deserve to be at the top of the women's lacrosse players. If you want to put Katie Rowan first, fine. I'm not going to argue that. But at 29, I think that's, like you said, underrating her and also underrating this entire program because she was so dominant, like you said, in 2008. And throughout her entire career, she leads one of the best programs in the entire country in both points and assists. So that means that she was, number one, a great goal scorer, number two, a great passer. And sometimes you can only find one or two, or rather one of those things in a player. To be able to have two of those things is kind of outstanding. And you do that over a four-year period. Now, the one thing that kind of holds her back is that she didn't have a Final Four run kind of like Kayla Trainer. Um, but Liz or but Katie Ho- Katie Rowan rather deserves to be at twenty nine. Well, I I also think that one of the things and you alluded to this that is holding her back is just the nature of her sport, and it's unfortunate to say, but women's lacrosse is not routinely on television for Orange Fizz readers to watch and to really consume. To be frank, we at Orange Fizz don't cover much women's lacrosse. We don't cover much men's lacrosse either, so it doesn't get the press it deserves. And that meant that Katie Rowan didn't get the attention she deserved, and the legacy isn't built up like it should be. All right, let's move on. Uh, Number 28 here on our SU Top 100 list. Again, you can go find all of our articles on our website, orangefizz.net. But checking in at 28 is Ryan Powell. Again, another men's lacrosse player, and we've already covered one of the Powells so far. And we're going to get to Ryan now. And if you if you know about the uh, men's lacrosse program, you know that they uh, the, the Powell family is probably the most prestigious uh, family in Syracuse men's lacrosse history. You can the make royal an family the- of the hill. Right. You can make an argument for the Gates. You can make an argument for uh, the Simmons. But mm. I think the Powells kind of get it. And Ryan Powell, the really cool thing about it is Ryan is tied with Casey Powell 
for number yeah. one on SU's scoring list. They have the same exact points, and he's obviously number one on the list. So Ryan Powell at number 28, Brad, your thoughts? It makes sense. You know, it's so hard because just imagine just imagine being, you know, the patriarch and the matriarch, of the father and the mother of, of this family and being like, oh, no, Mike is really good. Ryan's good. Casey's good. I can't decide who's the best. And for us here, we're stuffing all the Powells into this list, and we'll get to another one later on, but it's just so hard to say. Look, Ryan Powell deserves to be very high on this list, and we're splitting hairs, I feel like, when we really start to say, okay, Ryan is better than Casey, this guy is better than—I don't know. All I know is Casey deserves to be here, Ryan deserves to be here, Mike deserves to be here. I mean, all you could say, you could point to the numbers— to me, the thing that really sticks out about Ryan is the national championship in 2000, yeah. uh, the 96 points that season. That's what really sticks out, and, and the numbers are great. But in the end, of, at the end of the day, this program is about national championships, and to win one, the first one since '95, that's huge. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he won the Enners Award, which is given to basically the uh, it's it's for the most outstanding player in men's lacrosse, college lacrosse. It's kind of like the old version of the Tuareton Award, if you want to mm-hmm. bring it a little more recent. So if you can win that, that basically means that, and to put it in some layman's terms, it, it means that you're the Heisman of college men's lacrosse. If you can win that, you can win a national championship. You're number one on the point scoring list, plus you're tied with your brother, which is just so cool. Not sure if they knew that that's how it was going to shape out if maybe one of them stopped scoring or stopped assisting right at the end just so that they could uh, line up perfectly. I wouldn't want to stop scoring. If my brother held a record, I am, I'm racing to the finish line. That's for sure. That's true. That's true. Ryan Powell, 28. I think he could be higher. Uh, but like you said, it's kind of splitting hairs between all the Powells to see who deserves to be in front of who. The next one's really interesting. We move on to 27, and it's John Wallace, who served as a forward for Syracuse basketball from 1992 to 1996. And Jaron, for me, it's really interesting because when I think of John Wallace and why he was ranked so high on this list, and you kind of compare him to Katie Rowan, and immediately you think, okay, I understand there's a disparity there in the popularity of their sport, and that might play somewhat into this ranking. And it certainly did here. For me, John Wallace is ranked so highly on this list because of the sentimentality of Wallace. He was huge for the 96 Final Four run. He was there when Bayheim switched to the 2-3 zone full-time. He wore 44. He stayed for his senior season. But the first, second, and third year for John Wallace was nothing, nothing extremely special that really warranted him being on this list. This is really us ranking senior John Wallace really high on the on the list, and we're ignoring freshman, sophomore, and junior Wallace. Okay, so Brad, I want to know, do you think 27 is a good ranking for him? It's a little high. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. All right. And is that because, so let's just say, if let's say John Wallace was a one and done, all right, and he only had his senior year. So say he did what he did in his senior year in his freshman season, and he was a one-and-done, went to the league. If he put together that year in one year and didn't have those first three seasons, would you put him at 27, or would you still want to drop him down a little bit? No, I, I think he he would be ranked better, higher on the list, uh, okay. or lower, depending on your interpretation. Yeah, because because his senior season was something else, 22 points, which was an SU record at the time, 22 points per game, 9 rebounds, 
And his senior year, because it's almost like a different player, his senior year he came out with that three-point shot and everything changed. You had to respect it. He had the big pull-up three in the tournament, the 42% from from beyond the arc. That's what we're really talking about when we start comparing freshman, sophomore, and junior Wallace to senior Wallace. Well, also to give Wallace a little credit, and I also tend to agree that he's a little high on our list. I would bump him down a little bit, maybe bump up the pa- uh, Ryan Powell, who we just talked about, um, and maybe also bump up some other lacrosse, both men's and women's players. But still, um, the the one thing with Wallace is that he was an All-American. It was a second team, but still, to be an All-American means that you were pretty darn good his senior year, like you were talking about. And he finished, when he was done at Syracuse, he ranked third in both scoring and rebounding. So those are something, and obviously he was a four-year player, so those four-year players are going to be able to score more than some of the Carmelo Anthonys or whoever else that went one, two, or three years. Um, So it makes sense that he's towards the higher end of some of those lists. Um, I would probably drop him down. I don't think he deserves to be lower than 50 I would probably put him in the high 30s. Okay, that's fair. I mean, honestly, I'm not I'm not even going to fight with you there because okay. I, I put value in staying for four years. Now, that being said, should Jerry McNamara or Eric Devendorf be higher on the list than Carmelo Anthony? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> talent rules, right? But at the end of the day, I think we're forgetting uh, how not mediocre because he was certainly better than mediocre – but how undeserving of being on the list he was for his first, second, and third years. And that, that, for me, really plays a part in his ranking. All right, moving on to number 26, a guy that is still playing, not for Syracuse, but in the NFL, one of the best pass rushers in the entire league right now. Um, and he donned the Syracuse Orange a couple years ago. Again, not too far back. And number 26 goes to Chandler Jones, the end rusher. Uh, And he was kind of a slow start. So when you look Mm -hmm. at his Syracuse career, he redshirted his freshman year. His sophomore year was not much. His junior year was pretty good. I mean, he had four sacks, 57 tackles. He was an all-Big East second-team selection. So that means that he had a pretty good year. And then, again, he made a, a first-team all-conference honors his uh, his senior year, but he only had 4.5 sacks. So he's a great talent, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But just when you look at his when his when you look at his Syracuse career, it's kind of abbreviated. And when you look at him compare now compared to his college days, it's just not as impressive. Well, I think you and I agree. Just to, just based on your your mood on the Chandler Jones intro here. I want to make my position crystal clear. Chandler Jones has no business being in the top 30 on this list. No business. And I wrote this piece on orangefizz.net. Go check it out. But don't support it because Chandler Jones, uh, he's not number 26. In, In my opinion, I don't even think he should be in the top 50. Look, I understand he's an interior defensive lineman, and it's really hard to say, oh, well, he only had four sacks his junior year, Four and a half sacks his senior year. How is that any good? Look, look, I understand. He's a run stopper, and in the NFL, he switched his position to pass rusher. I get that. However, the problem with Chandler Jones, and you alluded to this, is that his resume is incomplete. He missed a lot of time in his senior season. He missed five games, and he had four and a half sacks as an interior defensive lineman 
after missing five games. That is impeccable. But for your resume to scream the phrase, the question, what if, that's not good enough for me. To be a great talent is not good enough for me. And you said that in the intro. He was a great talent. Not good enough. You need the resume. For Ryan Powell, he needed the national championship. Chandler Jones doesn't have any of that. In fact, he has the opposite of that when they went on that big skid, that five-game skid at the end of his senior season, missed a bowl game, and then he went on to be drafted 21st overall in the 2012 draft. Syracuse fans left a good taste in their mouths, but everyone's forgetting how bitter that departure was. So the thing with Jones is I think he gets some credit, especially when, and I've said this a couple times on our Fizz casts that you can find on our SoundCloud page by searching Orange Fizz, each one of the staff members here at the Fizz filled out our own ranking 1 to 100, and then we averaged it all out. Mm-hmm. What I think happened is some of the staff members put Chandler Jones a little higher because of what he's doing currently in the NFL. And you don't have recency bias in the way of Syracuse recency bias with like Andre Sisco, but you have the recency bias of the NFL play. And having Chandler Jones being one of the best defensive players in the entire league right now, that gets in your head and you say, okay, then he must have been dominant at Syracuse. And he was good. He was good. Like, I think we both have said that. I just, I I do agree that I think he's a little too high at 26. I think it's recency bias, and I think it's NFL bias. Yeah, that's fair. And we're moving on to John Mackey, who revolutionized the position of tight end for Syracuse from 1960 to 1962. And when I say revolutionized, this guy was one of the first great receiving tight ends that football has ever seen, let alone Syracuse. And just to warn you, when you go Google him, the numbers don't jump out at you. As a junior, he had 15 catches for then a school record 321 yards. But for me, this ranking at 25, it makes sense. Could it be a little bit more generous? Yeah, I get it. 25's a little high for a guy who, again, doesn't jump off the stat sheet. Maybe it was a different game back then, so he dominated with lesser athletes. I get it. But at the same time, what he meant for football and what he meant for Syracuse football and what he currently means for Syracuse football, guys like Aaron Hackett, Ravion Pierce, who's no longer with the program, they would not exist had it not met, had it not been for John Mackey. Yeah, so the thing with Mackey is, and again, this, he's one of those uh, multi-sport athletes. So he played football. Mm-hmm. He also played basketball. And while he was there, he was with Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis also played basketball. Not sure if anybody really remembers that. <laughs> but John Mackey also played basketball, and he ran SU track. So he's a multi-sport athlete. Like you said, his numbers don't really pop. Um, and he left Syracuse as the leading receiver all time with, like you said, just over 300 yards. It's kind of surprising and weird just to hear that because, uh, you know, quarterbacks will toss over 400 or over 500 yards sometimes in one game, but still. Right. So John Mackey, the thing that he gets so much credit for, and you've said this a couple times, is that he just revolutionized the, the position. And I think he deserves that credit He deserves to be in the top 25 because he did that. He wasn't the most talented, um, but because he just changed the position that he was playing, that's a revolutionary player. And it's kind of like uh, Gary Gate, 
who was a box player uh, and will, I mean, I assume he's going to be on this list. That's kind of a teaser. You'll have to listen and read all of our articles down the line. But Gary Gate, as a lacrosse player, was a box player growing up as a Canadian. And then he got out to the field and he changed the field game by adding box elements to the field game. It's the same thing like John Mackey. All the tight ends before him were blocking tight ends. He came out there and said, I can catch the ball, throw it to me. And he revolutionized the position. That's why I think he deserves to be in the top 25. I also don't think that he deserves to be in like the top 20. So anywhere between 25 and 20, I would have been okay with. Yeah, I'm not going to fight anyone on it. Again, the numbers don't jump, but I understand what he meant for the sport. All right. Coming in at 24 is Kadari Ismail. Uh, He played for Syracuse football from 1989 to 1922. He is known as the best kick returner in program history. Now, he was also a great receiver and has plenty of stats to be able to back him up that way. But the way that I at least graded him when I was filling out my 1 to 100 is that as a position, when you look at it from position to position, Who's the best women's basketball point guard? Who's the best uh, men's lacrosse attackman? Who's the best kick returner? And it's Ismail. So he deserves to be on this list. I think 24 might be a little too high because I don't put too much weight on a kick, on a kick returner, but I, I also do put some weight for, and I guess that's contradicting myself, I also do put weight on if you're the best at your position. So... However you want, like whatever side of the coin you want to take in that argument that I kind of just laid out two different sides for, you can. Um, at 24, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a couple spots down the list for Ismail. It's just so tricky, right? Because right. he should be remembered as a kick returner and because that's what he was best at. But he, he was also an All-American for as a wide receiver, which when you look back on it, it's like, how did that happen, right? Because... He has five career receiving touchdowns. It's just where did that come from? But yeah, yeah, I understand. He was the best of his position. It just, it just, you have to ask the question: Is that position valuable enough for him to just be carried through there? Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Thomas Schultz and I were talking on a Fizz Radio from at this point months ago, and we were evaluating Marvin Harrison's. Uh, chances of getting into the College Football Hall of Fame. And to be eligible, to be on the ballot, you needed to have been selected to an All-American team. And he was, as a kick returner. And that's why I said he should not be inducted, because he's not Devin Hester, and to pretend that you do, that you belong on the ballot because you were an All-American, you're trying to get in as a receiver, and you're just a kick returner, doesn't really match for me. For me, uh, here's my theory on what happened. People saw Kadri Ismail, and they're like, oh, yeah, he was a good receiver. Plop him on. Problem is, you and I are evaluating him as a kick returner. Everyone else overvalued him as a receiver. Yeah, the one thing and the one nod I will give to him is he was a uh, all-Big East player in two different positions in one season. So he was a yep. all-Big East both receiver and and kick returner all in one year. So you got to give him some credit. It's kind of like Sean Riley. And I'm not saying Sean Riley was anywhere close to Ismail, (laughs) but like Sean Riley is known as a kick returner. He wasn't really known as a wide receiver. Sure. He had a couple good games, but it's not like he was crazy. 
you kind of just knew him as a as a returner. And Ismail was a good receiver, but again, you remember him as a returner. Do you put a returner in the top 25? That's the question you have to ans- uh, ask and answer. I don't think that you do, personally. I would drop no. him back to around the thir- the low 30s. Okay, yeah, I would agree with you. Mid-30s for me, maybe even high-30s, but we're in the same ballpark. It should. It is worth mentioning, though, when we're talking about Kondre Ismael, the athlete, he was an All-American kick returner, wide receiver, but he was also an All-American in track. He was the first All-American at Syracuse in two different sports since Jim Brown in 1957. Crazy. Crazy. But we move on to number 23, and we promised we'd get to another pal. It's Mike Powell who served as an attackman for Syracuse from 2002 to 2004. And I'm just dying to give you the keys to this car right now to t- to comment on Mike Powell being ranked 23rd, uh, rather worse than Casey Powell, an interesting call there. But Powell is the only player to win the Jack Turnball Award top, top attackman in the country four times. So he deserves to be high. In my opinion, he should be higher. Absolutely, Brad. Now, we've already talked about how great the Powells are, and we've talked about how they have three brothers. It's Mike, it's Ryan, and it's Casey. Mike was the best. Mike was the best. So what's he doing only at 23, Jared? What happened here? Hey, hey, that's not on me. I had him, I'm pretty sure, in like my top (laughs) 10. I'm pretty sure I had Mike Powell in my top 10. Um, The thing with him is that I just don't get how we as a staff could put Casey Powell above Mike. Now, they're all great, and it's splitting hairs, but Mike, if you look at it, was better than his brothers. He was a first, uh, he's he's ranked first all-time in SU total points. He's a two-time Tawaraton winner. His brothers don't have that. His brothers do not have the Heisman of their sport, and let alone one time, they don't have it twice. So, and Syracuse has only had two different Tawaraton winners. It was Mike Lavelle, who we already talked about on these Fizz casts. That was way down the list that I also think should be higher. Mike Powell is the other one. He won it twice. I'm not sure, and I would have to check this out, I'm not sure how many just athletes in the history of college men's lacrosse has won the Tawaraton twice. I doubt that that list is very long. So Mike Powell wins that award twice. He's a four-time All-American, and like you said, also a four-time Attackman of the Year. That means that he was the best uh, the best player at his position from freshman to senior year and the best player at in the entire country, no matter the position, twice. It's outstanding to me that he comes in at 23. I do not get it at all. Was Casey Powell a voter on this panel? Are we sure that he didn't, you know, trickle into our survey, get that private link? I guess. I mean, I know Casey has had a great uh, professional career, and all of the Powells are now entrepreneurs in the lacrosse world. And uh, we'll talk about Casey in a little bit, but geez, I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. We move on to Lawrence Moden, who's ranked 22nd, one off from his number 21. And Moden is the epitome, Jaron, of versatility. Career scoring leader at SU, 2,334 points. Graduated as the Big East Conference's all-time leading scorer with over 1,400 points just in Big East play. And he was a guard, he was a forward, depending on your interpretation of Lawrence Moden. But whatever you call him, he was fantastic for Syracuse. Thoughts on him being ranked 22nd. And it's hard, right? Because you think about, okay, who who we have not 
listed yet on this list, and there are some great players. But we keep on saying this. I can't believe Lawrence Moden is only 22nd. Yeah, yeah. And I know, I know. It's so difficult because we're we're not allowed to tell who's in front of these players yet. Um, but gosh, he was really good. He averaged almost <laughs> 20 points per game every single season he was at Syracuse. He was the Big East Rookie of the Year. And then he was Big East first team the other three years. So, like... Four-time All-Big East. Yeah. So, like... If you're going to be the best in your conference, I just don't. And again, like it's just so difficult because all of these players are so great. And Lawrence was awesome too. There's also a lot of great basketball players that are going to come in front of him that also deserve to be in front of him. So it's difficult to put him any I mean, he if you, if you were to rank the basketball players and solely the basketball players, he would be higher. But with all the great football players, with all the great men's lacrosse players, like it's just going to be a little difficult to get him any higher on this list. I guess the problem with Lawrence, because you look at his individual numbers and you're like, yeah, of course, he's fantastic. Um, but he had some help, and this, this shouldn't necessarily be a knock against him, but he played with John Wallace, who's on this list, right? So, for him to kind of tag team with John Wallace, maybe it's like, okay, Lawrence Moden, and that was only a senior year, of course, but he had some help. A guy like Carmelo Anthony, who even though he played with a guy like Jerry McNamara, what, Jerry McNamara, I'm assuming, is not ranked as high as John Wallace on this list. So maybe there's that, but the the NCAA success wasn't necessarily there for Moden to just skyrocket on the list past the 20s. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, let's let's move on to number twenty-one, Casey Powell, um, and here's your last Powell. There you go. There it is. So Casey and we we've talked about it. All of the Powells are great. Uh, this one in, that starts with Casey was also great. A four-time All-American. Um, the cool thing about him is that he's the only person to win first team all-american honors in two different positions he did it once in the midfield and then uh once in the attack so he was awesome again another great player it's just hard to put him above his brother it just really is like mike was better casey was great but mike was better yeah i mean it's impossible to disagree with you you're right mike powell's better casey powell was fantastic nothing against him but Mike Powell had the edge, just statistically. And when it comes to splitting hairs, the numbers is where you kind of settle the tie there, right? Um, it just I think to me it's funny how all three of the Powells are condensed into one fizz cast, and they were so, yeah, close. so close. And I'm happy that it worked out that way. I really am because, you know, when, you, when you're averaging the rankings, like sometimes – uh, a player could bounce a little high, bounce a little low, and we have to say, well, okay, like given the system, that's how it worked out. Someone messed up and it threw off the average, whatever. But the Powells were right there, and that just speaks to how good all of them were and how close it really was. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is Casey Powell, and maybe this is something that people thought about when they were ranking and put him above Mike, is Casey Powell has his own video game. <laughs> He's the Bo Jackson of Syracuse lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, number one, Brad, can you think of any like 
lacrosse video games? Because I can't. No, no. And and you no. know what? If I was to play it, I'd be terrible. Was was lacrosse <laughs> yeah. on Wii Sports by chance? No. No, I, I don't, don't think, think it, so. It should have been. If it was, so. I feel like I, I would have been an All-American because everything Wii Sports, I was a pro. But outside of the okay. Wii, I was I was hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you for being great Thank at you. Wii. Uh, but, like, yeah. So maybe maybe people thought about that. Casey Powell has his own video game. Uh, but before we wrap things up here, let's look one more time through the list that we just broke down, number 30 to 21. Jim Nance at 30, Katie Rowan at 29. 28 goes to Ryan Powell, John Wallace at 27, Chandler Jones, who you don't agree with, Brad, <laughs> comes in at 26, John Mackey at 25, Kadari Ismail at 24, Mike Powell, one of the Powells, comes in at 23, Lawrence Moden at 22, and then, like we just said, Mr. Video Game Casey Powell comes in at 21. That's going to do it for this FizzCast. Make sure you go check out all of our SU Top 100 content on our website, orangefizz.net follow us on twitter at orangefizz and listen to all of our audio content on our soundcloud page by searching orangefizz that's gonna do it for this one brad klein and jaron may signing off we'll see you next time